It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Time to go to my guest, uh, my next guest and final guest for today, Chris Miller, former defense secretary. Uh, you're seeing a lot more news come out, Chris, about the Chinese uh, spy balloon, that it had Western-made parts. They've only recovered a small amount of it. The ongoing recovery could take another two weeks. I'm Who's surprised about that in uh, water especially, uh, so, you know, that deep. But uh, to that story and to take it to the broader context of the Chinese activities using balloons as surveillance devices uh, around the world. What say you? Hey, David, thanks for having me on. I hope, I hope the idea was to save the best for last, but I know it's probably more like, okay, Miller's available. We need to fill some air time. So, hey, but more importantly, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thanks for everything you do to support our veterans and their families. And I know you, you probably try to keep that in the, the QT, but uh, I know what you do, and I really appreciate it because that's Americans taking care of Americans. I think, uh, honestly, I think the government's doing a better job with helping out veterans, but uh, not enough, and it's going to come down to citizens taking care of citizens. So, uh, okay, sorry, you you asked about that balloon, right? Yeah, let, let's get into it. Uh, you, as a former uh, defense secretary, would understand from that perspective not only what should be done strategically, uh, what it means, what it matters to in the overall doctrine of our defense department. And I and I got to tell you, looking at that, I find it in this circumstance lacking. Right. And, you know, you're a fan of fiscal responsibility uh, and I am, too. And. David, you know we spend at the end of the day about a trillion dollars on national security and defense. We have these exquisite weapon systems, and we couldn't uh, disable or control the descent of a doggone balloon. Kind of to me is an allegory for how we're out of balance within our our defense and our national security. I mean, we've got these planes. You know, what what did it take? Uh, I've heard. I think the plane with F twenty two Raptor, great plane. That thing goes. I think about $100 million. I've heard people say 200 Let's just call it $100 million. Shot a $400,000 missile at that thing. That kind of, to me, summarizes where we are, uh, that we need to be thinking about our defense and how to do things differently. Because if we don't have the capability to – what worries me, did we – and I know they had the hearings yesterday, but – if we didn't identify the the doggone thing coming over Alaska, that's a huge problem. Uh, we could go on all day with why it, we let it traverse the United States sovereign airspace. So, yeah, these are the questions I have, and it kind of sums summarizes my book, right? It's like we need to think differently. Well, you know, and let's add it, these are not unknown, so obviously I wouldn't say things that are unknown uh in the when it came across uh the season towards the illusions and over the illusions we have monitoring capabilities specifically in the illusions for entry into the upper arctic circle so the idea that that we're supposed to accept is that norad who according to the uh the spokesman from uh from the Department of Defense, the, the idea that NORAD did not detect and that they somehow had control when we actually have active monitoring capabilities 
For that and other reasons, for high-speed craft, for seaborne, and even for subsurface, to what extent, in the Aleutians, this makes no sense. Well, David, you just nailed it. I was trying to be generous. You know, there's that whole thing in the military, like, you support the commander on the ground with the decisions they made. And then you can go back and look at them and and dissect them and figure things out. I was being generous. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Holy cow. We how many how many hundreds of billions of dollars have we spent to make sure that we have uh the remember we used to be called the early warning line the uh, up north, but NORAD and all these capabilities that are supposed to protect us from not just aerial stuff, but everything else and you you just kind of summarized the issue. I'm not I'm not great with map reading. You can ask people that were with me in the field. They'll still kind of laugh about how I get lost, but I can look at a map. And, yeah, there's a lot of blue space between the Aleutian Islands and mainland uh, continental United States or Canada. Why didn't they take action? You know what, you know what they're going to say. They're going to say, oh, we wanted to exploit it for uh, intelligence purposes. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, we're getting in some more Wellian doublespeak right now. And that thing should have, I'm just telling you, the thing should have been taken down. The political blowback right now is uh, is just amazing. On And then calls into question our whole foreign policy and our national security posture. Well, let's go to that. And in a way, this goes to your book, by the way, which we want to talk about, a soldier, soldier secretary warnings from the battlefield in the Pentagon about America's most dangerous enemies. China is an adversary. Communism is an adversary of any system that is not communism. Let's just be frank about what it is. And the CCP and, of course, the PRC who executed this for the CCP uh, are certainly in control of a powerful narrative that within the Pentagon, within the E-ring, or frankly any part of the Pentagon, uh, there should be concern that they have a powerful information tool and a propaganda tool because irrespective of what you and I discuss or what is reported or what is found out, they now can push a narrative that they manage to safely and in a controlled manner, which is what their MFA, their Ministry of Foreign Affairs is putting forth uh, across the United States. And they don't even need to go any further. They can sell that at home, and they can sell that to people who dare say maybe or no or how powerful is China. Well, you you hit a really important thing that I don't think the American public completely appreciates, which is how powerful the Chinese Communist Party information operations network is and how they influence. This is not like speculation. This is not some crazy conspiracy thing. This is based on fact. It's open source. Their ability to control the narrative using what in the military we call information operations. It used to be called psychological warfare, but they've they've, uh, amplified this thing through modern technology where the, the stream of Chinese Communist Party propaganda coming into the United States, unbeknownst to many people who click on it, uh, is, I'll tell you what, uh, you should be terrified for it. And I'm not, uh, you know, David, again, people that know me, I don't speak in hyperbole. Well, I kind of do at times, but uh, in this case, I'm not being hyperbolic. And if I could, could I expand just a bit or you want? Sure. No, go ahead. Another question. 
We're, we're here to have a discussion. Let's go. Yeah, and I appreciate that because I'll tell you what, I, you know, so many of the shows uh, just kind of want a soundbite, and I appreciate a more kind of fulsome discussion because I think that's what we need for the American public. So they understand, and that's the point of the book, too. Is, so uh, those that serve better understand those they serve and vice versa. 93% of America, as we know, uh, hasn't served. That's a good problem to have. So this, these are the discussions I want to have instead of just the constant blather and the politicization of all these things. The issue is they are absolutely using our tools of freedom against us. And here's my point is, and you brought it up at the start of this conversation, the Chinese Communist Party and Chairman Xi are fear only one thing. They fear instability with their population because totalitarian, authoritarian governments need to have an enemy. They need to rally their people. They need to have justify all of their power and all of their uh, totalitarian means. And that's exactly what concerns me is we're, we are investing in the things that, that validate what they're telling their people, that we are a threat, we are a risk. And I want to use the tools they use against us called the indirect approach, irregular warfare, gray zone warfare, against them. Why are we doing what they want us to do? So that's that's what I'm trying to get across in my book. But, you know, everybody just wants to talk about other stuff and, you know, oh, geez, they want a sound bite. So that's why I, it's a long explanation, but you're exactly right, and that's the conversation we need to be having. That's the conversation Congress needs to be having with the Pentagon instead of just getting taught, you know, getting getting doggone sound bites. So thanks for highlighting that. Uh, and that's look, we, we've got a responsibility. I do, and with your help and others, to dig into these issues for what they are. The the information uh, component of what's going on now, starting. Not necessarily starting with, but in light of the recent uh, balloon debacle in, in this transit across the U.S., plays into other issues. And for everyone out there, they're not hiding this. You can go to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs website in English. They produce it in English, in Spanish, in Russian, in multiple languages. But Xi Jinping is getting ready for another round of meetings. And my concern when it comes to Lloyd Austin and others, the chiefs, the E-ring and others, is how closely are they not just paying attention, and I'll include the State Department under Secretary Blinken, how closely are they paying attention and willing to act accordingly? There is the next round of uh, China uh, Republic of Korea and Japan meetings that that is due soon. Uh, there are other meetings. China's in a next phase of its second round of the Belt and Road Initiative. If you look at their media, their messaging, what they're pushing broken down by countries and regions, Asia, Africa, Europe, North America, South America, what they refer to as Oceania, they are spreading and using everything as they work their way into these areas around the world. And our doctrine, however someone wants to phrase it when dealing with China, does not seem to adjust to what they do. You, you just described, that's what I'm trying to get across in the book, David. And, you know, we I fear all we're doing right now is refighting the Cold War. That was a great strategy during the Cold War that brought down the Soviet Union. We bankrupted them, 
right? Pure and simple, they could not keep up with our technological development. And they decided to compete with us technologically, and we bankrupted them. Let's be clear. Military strength is very important, but that was part of a much broader national strategy where we use all of our tools of power. I fear the Chinese are doing that to us right now. They're showing us that they want they want us to think that they're going to fight conventionally with large land forces, fleets of aircraft, and uh, seaborne vessels and aircraft carriers, which now results in us having to spend enormous sums of money. And my sense is that, well, it's not my sense, it's my fervent belief that we need to compete against them in a way that they don't expect. And that's through a regular warfare means. That means... Like and here's but here's the thing and the same thing happened with the Soviet Union. Our brand is really solid. I know right now we're dealing with stuff we're bifurcated in the country and all that, but our brand is good and freedom matters, and and the Constitution matters and that terrifies them. And if we just take a longer view, it's instead of just getting caught up in the story of the moment. And I don't think we're there yet. And that's what our that's what we pay our military leaders and those civilians that run our national security to be thinking about. And I'm not saying it, David. Maybe it's happening in the background. I a shameless proponent of President Trump's approach to China. He thought the economic means of power was dominant. Uh, so I could go on all day, but your listeners are like right now going, probably changing the channel. <laughs> not, uh, not this audience. They, they've been I paying know, attention. And, you know, the last decade uh, plus that I've been here, national security, understanding of the intersection of national policy, foreign policy, doctrine and behavior, something that, 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 that as a, and it is a problem in this country, needs to uh continue through changes in administration. And part of the brilliance of our system is the people's choice. Part of the downside is change in policy based on political doctrine. And that belies reality, which we face with an adversary in the Chinese Communist Party, which is softened as a, quote, strategic opponent. There are elements of strategic opponent behavior there, but they're an adversary based on where they are, not where some in the U.S. would like to see them. You know, and... I know you're, that's why I love coming on your show and thanks for having me because I know people, your audience cares about this stuff and we're not just doing the, the blissly, you know, saying silly stuff like they do on the other shows where they're just looking for a hot take because this is, these are the conversations we have to have, you know, and, and we, I'll get, but I got to tell you, if you kind of look at the president Trump dramatically changed, uh, the United States policy and approach toward China. I have not seen as much of a backslider, a snapback with uh, with the Biden administration. Here's the issue I see, though, is there are a lot of people still in the administration that have old think that are that are are still committed to this idea that somehow if we're just nice to the Chinese, they'll get it right. And that's not the case. They are the existential threat and the threat towards us. How we do that. So I, I actually am cautiously optimistic that we're starting to get our act together. The problem was, you know, what, after the, after World War II? Remember, after World War II, it took, what, about six, seven years before we finally got our strategy and policy right. Uh, we need to be moving faster this time, though. And I, I, do, I still am very concerned that we, we aren't 
unified in our thoughts and our approach. And back to your point, information operations, the Chinese are getting this and they're, they're influencing it very microscopically uh, how, how Americans are perceiving it. So that's why, I mean, I can go on all day about this, obviously. Well, look, I encourage people and in just about every topic for that matter, Chris, to, you know, consider the other position. Look at your adversary, your opponents or the other perspective, however somebody wants to describe it. Uh, Why, as I said earlier, you know, go and read the Ministry of Foreign Affairs page for the PRC. They have a daily press conference, just like we have a daily press conference coming out of the White House. Pay attention to how they position themselves, not just here, but around the world and understand uh, who we're dealing with and what their long-term goals are. Uh, we unfortunately get caught up in the cyclical political, uh, and uh, that is a vastly different perspective. Uh, congratulations on the book. Uh, it, it is time to go deeper with these examinations, and you certainly do that. Again, soldier secretary, warnings from the battlefield and the Pentagon about America's most dangerous enemies. Uh, we need this level of discussion to continue. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on your great show. Truth is the authority. I, you know, I totally agree with that. And again, thanks for uh, helping out our veterans and their families. Thank you, Chris. And uh, again, kudos on the book. Chris Miller, former defense secretary. And again, uh, these are the books are on my shelf, folks. Soldier Secretary, Warnings from the Battlefield and the Pentagon about America's Most Dangerous Enemies. Uh, this isn't about partisanship. It's exactly what it is. And what China sees, what China does, how they act, whether in the Caribbean, in Central America, in Africa, in Europe, in the first, second, third world, however you want to put it, in the developed world, the underdeveloped world, the Indo-Pacific, take a look at what they're doing. Don't just take what's being fed to you. Join me live on The David Webb Show, Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east, on Sirius XM Patriot 125.